Welcome to Listen to Lawrence, presented by Lawrence Eric Davidow, Senior and Managing Partner of Davidow, Davidow, Siegel & Stern, one of the first and most successful elder law, special needs, and estate planning firms on Long Island. This podcast series is based on his Listen to Lawrence seminars and will teach you how to plan in advance to protect your own assets and those that you leave to your children and grandchildren. Mr. David Dow is a past president of the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys, a published author, and an accomplished and educational speaker. So sit back and listen to Lawrence. Hello, everyone. My name is Lawrence David Dow, and welcome to another episode of my Listen to Lawrence podcast. These uh, podcasts we dedicate to answering your direct questions or commonly asked questions that, that we hear all the time, and I, I wanted to make sure that, that we bring it to your attention. And the goal of each of these podcasts is for you to just learn something. I just want you to walk away with at least one nugget that uh, you can you can carry forward in your, uh, your financial or estate planning life. Um, a lot of these we dedicate to questions regarding Medicaid and trusts and things like that, so that's a big part of, of an elder law practice. And I also, from time to time, bring in a, uh, a guest on this podcast, and, uh, and my favorite guest is Michelle Jablonski, who is a partner in our law firm at David L. David L. Siegel and & Stern, and uh, she heads up our Medicaid department. So I asked her to compile uh, a couple of questions that she hears all the time, that there's misconceptions out there, some of the most common questions. So she was able to do that. She's here today, and I want to welcome Michelle Jablonski. Hello there. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. How long have you been with our firm now? I have been with the firm now, oh gosh, it's too long to count, but almost 18 years. 18 years, 18 yep. years. And you've been running the department pretty much the whole time, and, and you are on the front lines all the time hearing these kind of questions. So what's the first question you, you, you thought about today? So the first question that we're asked repeatedly, which is a hugely important question, and this comes from clients or their children or their loved ones. I created or my parent created a trust to protect our assets for Medicaid planning purposes Irrevo years ago. One of those irrevocable trusts that we irrevocable do all the time. Irrevocable trust, yeah. you've got it. Um, can we use the money in the trust to pay for things for the person who created it, my mom or dad or myself? Well, I would think they'd feel a little insecure. They're, they're, people are creating these irrevocable trusts. Yes, they're irrevocable trusts, but... If, if they can't get it back, then they may feel insecure. Do you, but can they get it back? So the general response or the general rule is no. The assets in the trust cannot be used to or for the benefit of the person who created the trust. And people sometimes say, why? That seems crazy. Why would I create a trust where I don't have access to the assets in it? You have to remember why you're doing the trust. You're giving away your assets to make yourself poor, as Lawrence likes to say, and the trust is the vehicle for making those gifts. So if you can use the assets and the trust to pay for things for your benefit, Medicaid says you can use the assets in the trust to pay for your home care or nursing home care. So if you can get the assets, Medicaid can get the assets. Is that kind of it? Correct. Okay. So 
that's why we created an irrevocable trust as opposed to a a, a revocable trust. Correct. And so we can't revoke it. We can't get it back. But you're saying that the trustee in the trust who's managing the money in the trust or the house or whatever, mm-hmm. they can't give it back to us. They, so it's still an irrevocable trust, but they can't give us back the money. Is that that's Well, let me one? give you an example of how this comes up as a practical matter. Would you do that, please? <laughs> <laughs> because sometimes it's hard to really get the grasp of what you're of what we're talking about. So my client created a trust nine years ago. We're past the five-year look back. They originally funded it with their home and maybe some stocks and some cash. And now mom needs an assisted living, one of those really nice ones that we all that are very fancy that we see being built all over the place on Long Island. And it's going to cost them maybe seven or eight thousand dollars a month to pay for that. But this is what the client wants. But they've used all of their other assets outside the trust up until this eight-year period of time. And now the only income they have to pay for this assisted living is their monthly income, their Social Security, their pension. Which is not going to be enough to pay for an assisted living facility. It's going to be good at seven, eight grand easily. For most people, it is not enough. Right. So the the child who's the trustee says, okay, well, we can write a check from the trust. We have money in the trust. Or we pay- sell the house and we have money in the trust. Yep. Yeah. And we can use it to pay the assisted living. The answer to that is checks should never be written or cash should never be withdrawn from the trust payable to or for the benefit of the person who created it. All right. Wait, wait. So- uh, let's say we sold the house. There's $500,000 of cash now sitting in the trust. I have a bill of $8,000 a month for the assisted living. Bottom line, you're saying that the trustee cannot write a check to that assisted living facility for my assisted living. How am I going to pay for it? 100%. They can't write a check. They shouldn't. The trustee should not be touching in the mom, the money or assets in the trust to or for the benefit of the person who created it. Well, then I'm not doing this trust unless you can find a way to, to get me this money. Well, well, hold on. <laughs> I didn't say that it couldn't. We there are there is a mechanism in the trust, at least in our trusts that we create, and not all trusts are created equal, for sure. We both know that because we've seen some of them. That's for sure. Um, where the trustee, with the consent of the creator, has the ability to get assets out of the trust. I don't want to go into too much detail about how that actually works because I don't want to oversimplify the process and lead people to believe that they don't need our advice before they do that because anytime a client is considering, my general rule is, anytime a client is considering taking assets out of a trust or needs assets from a trust, Call our office. Please do not try this at home. (laughs) No, you don't want, you spent all the resources and time to do the right thing, create the trust, fund the trust, try to protect it for your beneficiaries, children, family. And if you screw it up even just once, it is a fatal. But we have options. We have options. We have options. Yep. But the worst thing they could do is violate the terms of the trust and use the money in the trust for the benefit of the grantor to to pay for that assisted living. Correct. We have to find another way that doesn't break those rules because what happens if you ignore the trust and actually uh, use the money directly for the benefit of the grantor? 
let, let's say there's 500000 in there, and the yep. first month we write a check for 7000 to the assisted living facility. Then they come in, and we, of course, raise our hands and go, oh, my God, I can't believe you did that. What is the problem once they write that first check to the assisted living facility? Medicaid says because the creator, because the trustee, and it doesn't necessarily, remember, the creator of the trust isn't the person who has control over the trust. So the trustee potentially made this mistake. So a lot of clients will say, well, I didn't do it. My trustee did it. Medicaid says if the trustee did something wrong or misadministered the trust, we are still penalizing the person who created it because that person picked who the trustee was. But getting to your question, the real issue is once you use the money in the trust to or for the benefit of the person that created it, you have now made the whole trust an available resource for Medicaid eligibility purposes. So the entire 500000 in the trust would no longer be protected, even though they wrote one check? Absolutely. Can the assisted living facility return the check, curing the problem? No. That's the problem, isn't it, Michelle? It is. Yeah, once they screw it up, they screwed it up. Right, and it doesn't even have to be a significant amount. Sometimes we have clients who, when we're drafting or creating the these kinds of trusts, want to retain the income generated by the assets transferred to the trust. And you have to be very, very careful if you retain the right to the income from the trust that the trustee does not over-distribute the income to the person who created it. Right. So the interest and dividends, if we design it that way, can be paid. But if they pay a little bit more than that, a theoretical dollar of principle, the entire trust doesn't work anymore. Correct. And you really have to be careful because there's a distinction between income or what we define as income for the trust purposes and income for income tax purposes. A lot of people get that confused. A lot of people who have mutual funds, uh, there'll be short-term or long-term capital gain distributions, which is taxable from an income tax perspective, but technically is not income for the trust perspective. You have to be very, very careful and aware. So the message that we're really trying to portray here today, that we're trying to nail for you people out there who are listening to this, is that when you create these irrevocable trusts, the trustee must be vigilant to never use the money in the trust uh, directly or indirectly for the benefit of the grantor. You have to have given away the assets and the five years goes and it'll be over with and your assets will be protected. But we have, we, there are people out there that have, have kind of screwed up these trusts because they don't listen or they, they forget. forgot. Well, they forgot. So this is the message that we wanted to convey today. We said we would do a couple of questions, but we're, <laughs> we're uh, at about our time limit mm-hmm. here. So what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to call it, call it uh, a podcast. And we will continue on our next podcast with some of the other questions. But I think that's enough for today because the goal is to get you to understand one very, very important point. Unless it's a point that I can make really quick and then we can go on to another (laughs) one. But in any event, uh, understand that these podcasts uh, are all about your questions or common questions. So if you have any questions out there that you would like me to uh, or and or Michelle to answer on a future podcast or on one of our Listen to Lawrence letters that will go into your email box with a Q&A 
uh, response uh, uh, twice a week. All you have to do is send an email to info at davidowlaw.com. That's info at D-A-V-I-D-O-W-L-A-W.com. Uh, send us those questions and we will answer them. I want to just thank you all for listening. Uh, I, thank you, Michelle, for, for being here today. We wish you peace, health, and happiness. Until next time, stay safe, my friends. Bye-bye. The Listen to Lawrence podcast is not meant to be advice particular to any one person or to serve as a do-it-yourself planning guide. It's simply to educate the audience. For more information, please visit davidowlaw.com.